Welcome to the Batman Tasticast, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the greatest animated television series of all time, Batman. The animated series, our podcast offers a deep dive into each episode and a full series retrospective from two nerds who really like Batman. And to introduce our hosts today, across the table from me, he is a man tied to a clock, ready to explode, Mr. Jordan Hugh. And seated across from me is a man who always has an appointment in my crime alley. Oh, man. Mike Staub. That was a butt stuff joke. Yeah, I got it. We're coming in hot today. Yeah, that's right. Crime Alley is uh, an appointment in Crime Alley, which is um, episode 26 on the production side of Batman the Animated Series and broadcast order number 12. Yeah, broadcast 12, they pushed early, it up. Yeah, yeah. Early, but actually, early. we see why. Yes. Because it's a, a big origin type it's, episode it's, almost. It's, it gives us the background on Batman and Bruce Wayne's life as a kid a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, right. And it, it, this, is, this is where we get the gone but not forgotten kind of imagery of Batman with his parents and Crime Alley and how Crime Alley went bad and when it went bad. And also... It's also early enough in the series for people who were watching it at this time to still remember who Roland Daggett was from the Clayface episodes. I think that aired like four and five. Yes, you're right. So, so it's close yeah. enough. They they try to make a bigger deal out of Leslie mm-hmm. Tompkins, mm-hmm. who's a character that will recur throughout the series, mm-hmm. and Roland Daggett, who also will recur a bunch throughout the series. Exactly. And I find this episode great. Um, I think it's a, it's a very sweet episode it's a very nice episode um it's also a very sentimental episode there's it a, is in a, in a good way yeah. yeah 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 there's a lot of that going on you get a lot of you get a lot of emotion from batman in this episode which is rare yeah. um and you know finding out a little bit more of his backstory is i think very very interesting it is um i do have to take this episode to task a little bit yes and we will as we go through I think the writing is kind of poor in this episode. There are some issues in it that you're like, oh, really? I think the issues are structural. Yes. I don't think the dialogue is bad. Yes. But I think there are some structural problems with the episode where, uh, listen, I, I won't go super specific, but I will say in the sequence of the episode, things happen alongside the plots of the episode where you're like, oh, really? Can we just tell the fucking story yeah. of the episode? Do we have to deal with a gunman and a runaway trolley? And like, it's just stuff and that is not connected. When those things happen... In this, in the episode, they show no connection to the main plot, or or a very very thin connection. Yeah, I think it's I, right. Like the it like, like the rifleman has lost his job, I guess, because of Daggett. But well, like, it's not yeah, really connected. Yeah, no, that's not the trolley. Is forget about it. The trolley is like a the total tro- trolley is totally disconnected. Yeah, it's a total disconnected type thing. Um, but we once again we have Roland Daggett is back. So Ed Asner is back as Roland Daggett. Um, this is his third appearance in both broadcast and production. So these kind of went in order after the first two Clayface episodes. Right. Um, you know, it is another episode where big evil businessman does big evil business things. Yeah. And- so th- the show gives us two villains that we haven't gotten much from in yes. comics. Rupert Thorne, mm-hmm. who is basically this show's Carmine Falcone. Yes. Who is the underworld boss who's new on the scene yeah. and is taking over. Yeah. But then we also have more of a Lex Lutherish, legitimate businessman in Roland Daggett. So they're two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. Right. They're and both criminals. One is the legitimate businessman criminal and one is the underworld criminal businessman. And both of them are fairly untouchable because of their connections to whoever, showing yeah. that. We get the sense in this episode and in other episodes that these guys represent 
I don't even know what we want to call it. Like the status quo of evil. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There will always be evil men in legitimate business like Roland Daggett, yeah. and thus he's never apprehended. And there will always be men like Rupert Thorne who are willing to basically do anything to stay on top in the criminal underworld. This is kind of like, you know, the lawful evil side of evil. Right. Um, in terms of even Rupert Thorne, though he's a criminal, there is a code, there is an honor. There's not a lot of chaos in that character. Right. Well, what I love about these episodes, like including like Dagon when we see him in Clayface and stuff like that, or Thorne when we see him in the Two-Face episodes, these guys are the guys that are worse than the rogues gallery yeah. members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, these yeah. guys are like eternal evil. And these guys are like hurting regular people. Right. Like guys like the Joker, you know, obviously the Joker and all that stuff. Yes, they go, they do hurt regular people, regular everyday people, but their point is to get to Batman. Roland Daggett, Boyle, you know, Rupert Thorne, they're not trying to go after Batman. Batman is just something that's in their way. Yeah. You know, while they're trying to do what they're trying to do. Um, What's funny is, uh, you know, I I do feel that, that uh, Roland Daggett is similar to uh to to Mr. Boyle. Yes. Uh, from the from the he's, Mr. Freeze episode. For sure. He's a self interested businessman who doesn't really care about other people's lives um, as they get in the, his I don't know, progress. No, Daggett's basically a progress machine. Yeah. Like he doesn't care about anything else. Yeah, he doesn't care about anything. He's he's uh he only cares about progress through in this instance, it's pretty much his goal is to recreate crime alley into we hear a mini mall but into it's pretty much he's probably he's trying to like aggressively gentrify crime alley <laughs> right right which is funny because this was like the gentrification thing just as that was becoming yes. a problem it yeah. was very early in the history of gentrification yeah well because this is still the pretty 90s much. this is still the 90s new york is in the process of getting more gentrified this is the beginning of giuliani's new york yes i think so yeah right, and yeah. this is when we're seeing more and more of the big business being brought into new york city to quote unquote clean it up right i don't want to um, get political i'm not going to get political. Uh, but yes we're i think this episode could be commenting a little bit on basically changing one power structure for yeah. another saying hey i'm going to clean up the city but I'm I'm actually kind of making money deals with big interests who are going to yeah. come in and yeah. and the city's going to lose some of itself. Yes, exactly. And I think I could say that without getting political. I don't right? think I mean, that's, that's a political yeah, statement. Right. I think that's 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 probably one of the major um, one of the major takeaways from some of this some of these issues. You know, it's like right. well, crime is down. It's like oh, okay, what does that necessarily mean, right? Right. Um, well, I think what this episode does nicely and fairly is to say like, hey. We have this terrible area in our city where there's a lot of crime, but then also the episode's very fair in saying, but like, hey, a lot of good people still live here, and like, this has always yeah. been where they live. Look yeah. at Leslie Tompkins. Yeah. Look at the other good people yeah. we see in this episode who live here. Exactly. And I think it's good to talk a little bit about Leslie Tompkins. Uh, like you said, she's a character we'll see more and more of on the show here and there. Um, she's a, a person who is important to... Bruce's life. Um, we find out later in the episode that she was the person who comforted Bruce um, while um, I guess the police were dealing with the murder of his parents, like immediately after they were murdered. Right. Um, I can only assume that because Thomas Wayne is a doctor, right? Yes. And she's a doctor, that they must have worked together. Maybe. Or have known each other through the medical field. This event is probably one of the... It's simultaneously one of the most depicted events in yep. comics. Yep. And simultaneously one of the most retconned events yeah, in yeah, comics. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Waynes are murdered mm -hmm. in Crime Alley. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like, well, who was there? Yeah. Who responded to the crime? Uh, you know, any listener would agree with me here. Like in some versions, 
Jim Gordon is there. Yeah. With young Bruce Wayne. You know, that that's like the basis for a lot of stories. In this version, Leslie Tompkins is there. Well, I don't know why she's there that early. I guess because she happens to live nearby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, she I, says in the show she's lived crime alley right, her whole right, life. You're right. Yeah, so maybe Row, that's rather. why she's there. Um, and then a question I asked in your notes that I don't know if you saw this note I put in, but it was like, all right, so Park Row, mm-hmm. this used to be a nice area that he became crime alley. Was it the murder of the Waynes? That was like the big event that changed it. So Because seem- that happened 30 years ago in the show. In the show, it seems as though Park Row tr- kind of was making its transformation into Crime Alley 30 years earlier. Like they said, it's pretty much been a slum for 30 years. I don't know if that necessarily coincides Why with... Why are the Waynes there? I don't under- understand if that... The Waynes might have been there like... As it was transitioning, like okay. I don't like. Obviously, they go to the movies, right? They go to see the Invisible Man or is whatever, that, or it whatever is, yeah. it is. Uh, sometimes they go to the opera and it's Deflator Mouse, right? Sometimes they're seeing Zorro. Yeah. That even that. Oh yeah, Mask of Zorro. Yeah. Sorry, even Mask that of changes. Zorro, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, but it changes. It yeah, changes. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Like I said, it's the most. I think one of the most retconned events ever. Mm-hmm. People, yeah. Every author changes it. So I think they were probably going there when it was still ritzy, and that might have kind of been the beginning of the transition. It probably wasn't called Crime Alley when the Waynes got shot. It was I imagine probably, not. It, so that means that this is third years after that right i have definitely read comics where it's called crime alley because like the most infamous crime ever took place there yes which is thomas wayne and martha you know arkham wayne were murdered there yeah but then of course because crime has constantly been there ever since what i do like though is that by putting a a timer on this giving it a timeline we know that batman is probably about 38 years old. probably about 38 years old um which means there's still time Right. For us There's to a couple Batman. years for us to become Batman. We really have to get on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've seen I've seen the shape he's in. Yeah. yeah it's, we, it's you know what? It's, it's not gonna happen for me. I guess I'm just gonna be the penguin. That's that's perfectly fine. <laughs> I think it's where I'm heading. As long as you get yourself a really cool vulture. Yeah. Uh you'll be fine. Oh, scrap. Yeah, scrap. The best vulture. Yeah, the best he, boy. Yeah, he's definitely a good vulture. Such a good boy. Yeah. He's not I I don't know. Adrian Toom's a pretty good vulture. But he's not in this universe. No, he's not. Imagine if he was. Just Batman has another bird theme villain. <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's get into some trivia. Sure. Got some IMDb trivia for you here. Four of the apartment mailboxes that Batman passes read Bruce Tim, as in Bruce Tim, uh, Eric uh, Radomsky, Haven Alexander, and Nicole uh, Polu. Um, these Polyot? Polyot? I don't uh, know. Yeah. I think it's Polio. French. Po- yeah. uh, Polu? Um, I'll have Amanda read it. She, she kind of reads French. Um, these are all <laughs> producers... And production assistance on the series, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, much of the plot episode bears resemblance to the March 1976 story from Detective Comics, Volume 1, number 457, titled, There is No Hope in Crime Alley. But I think okay. you're right. I think it gets the name Crime Alley because this crime is so prominent in Gotham's history. Again, it's almost like it's soft on purpose. Yes. Like, there are a couple of consistencies about that murder lone gunman mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. gunned down the pearl necklace that goes all over the place you know bruce with the image of his parents in two different directions almost like yin and yang yeah on the two sides yeah. of him um you know we all have these images in our head because we've seen them but sometimes we don't realize we've seen them like a thousand different ways yeah. like yeah is dr tompkins there is gordon there is it a beautiful neighborhood is it a terrible neighborhood uh, and then further confusing those issues is like when we see it in the the Burton film, it's not even that family. It's another family. It's supposed to remind us of Crime Alley. Yes. You know, and then Snyder has his own version. So we don't know. See, um, in Batman Begins. Yeah. In the Nolan verse. Yes. 
they they are walking through that area, which is starting to get rough because Thomas Wayne is like, well, I'm a man of the people or whatever, right? That's is that what right. they do? Is he, that what they do? It's already a bad area yeah. in the Nolan verse. Yes, and he's like, well, I'm a man of the people and Wayne, but he wasn't the businessman like his father was. He was just a doctor who had a lot of money. But I his, think he's yeah. political. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's whatever. It's 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 hard. It is hard. Yeah. Um, well, it's hard because it's like, again, the, the rules change, the yep. version changes. Yep. Uh, even in this episode, I'll comment on this later. When you look at Leslie Tompkins, her memories scrapbook, yeah. right? There's a headline that says "Doctor and Wife Slain" or something like that. Yeah. Uh, young boy, only survivor is a picture of him with Leslie. We'll talk about it later. But it's just like that's not how the newspaper would have reported that. No, it would have been even Thomas in, and even in this Wayne. episode. Yeah, it would have been like, "Hey, our two most famous fucking citizens just got murdered." Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, it's it's weird. It's weird. Um. Last little bit of trivia here, though. Um, Batman is told that Dr. Tompkins is at the corner of Finger and Broom, likely a reference to Batman co-creator Bill Finger sure. and DC Comics writer John Broom. So uh, I think that's I think that's uh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool that they would do something like that. This show is kind of filled with all little tidbits yeah, like that. We don't even get them all. Like no. the, the show is uh, chock full of just like, oh, you see a name on a folder for two seconds yeah. and it's one of the original artists. I, yeah. What I love is that... They really honor the writers and artists. Yes. Because it's kind of like, oh, just like in a real city, how the people that built the city or donated to the city contributed in some meaningful way, they get all the buildings and streets yeah. named after them. Yeah. In Gotham, it's the name of all the artists and the writers and stuff that literally built Gotham. It's so cool. So when I go to New Donk City, right. and it's like Cranky Street. and Right, and, named after Joe Donk yeah. and Jim Cranky. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, and Diddy, Diddy Way. Right. Dixie Avenue. Right. Named you know. after Sean P. Diddy Holmes. Yes. That's Holmes. Right. Yes. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I fucked it up. What can we do? All right. I'm sorry, um, Buff Daddy. I'm sorry. Are you ready to get into this? <laughs> oh, I'm ready. Bum, 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 Please, bum, actually. Bum, 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 bum. All right. Here we go. We're going to dive right into the episode. We get our great theme song, and then we get a title card, which I can only describe is a claustrophobic city alley lit in red light. The words Appointment and Crime Alley appear in white. And we have ominous, ominous music. I love the artwork on the title card. It's so good. Really cool. It almost looks like two like derelict ships coming together. Or yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And it's like this: the both sides are, of the city are kind of like leaned in uh, like towards each other. It's yeah, kind of cool. It looks really cool. Yeah. Um, written by Jerry Conway, directed by Boyd Kirkland, who has you know, become one of our favorite directors on yeah, the show. Boyd, uh, Kirkland, and, and Kevin Altieri, I think are just, they're yeah, all they're stars. Just, I mean, except when like Bruce Tim is directing an no, episode, like those two are like tops of the No, tops. Boyd Kirkland uh, and and Kevin Altieri, they do great episodes. They don't always have great writers no, working with them, no. but the direction is always great. Direction is always very, very good. Uh, episode starts with a shot of Crime Alley from the sky. So uh, it looks like just regular Crime Alley. And then we see this clock that's ticking towards nine o'clock. Uh, we then cut to... It looks like it's Roland Daggett. He's back. He's back. He's back. Norman Osborn is back. And he's peering over the city. <laughs> he is, he is he the is Norman, Norman of the Osborn, show, yes. Without a doubt. Uh, he's peering over the city from what like looks like a window. Uh, and um, the clock hits nine, and then we see this big explosion. And I'm watching, and I'm like, oh, my God. Did they just blow up like Gotham? Is this something that you know Roland Daggett is going to do? Uh, and then, and then after the explosion happens, like they pan back and we see like all these smoldering ruins and then we see Daggett overlooking it all. And it turns out this is just a model. It's a really hey, cool transition. Nice fucking model. Uh-huh. Um, it's actually a really cool transition. It, I think it it's very, good. very funny. And also I think that's how Daggett thinks of himself. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the big man in the, like, like you want to be a big cop in a small town and go yeah. fuck up the model village. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, um, he's got, he's like, uh. 
he's like God, right? He's like overseeing he his creation. He thinks of himself that way, for I th- sure. I, yeah. think, I think absolutely. There's definitely a God complex here. And he's not Maxi Seuss. Um, he is not. No. Um, Dackett compliments his bomb expert, who introduces himself as Nitro, who is this short, nerdy man uh, with glasses. does not look no. like a person. He does not. What does... Nitro looks like he's out of like a 30s serial comic. Yeah. yeah he does yeah, yeah. not have eyes nope. that are appropriate to the... He doesn't he, look he human. Almost, he almost looks like a Fleischer Brothers like cartoon character, yes. like that he's era of cartoon. from something else. Yes, he's, he's not from a show with real people. Definitely not. Um, and then Daggett has a new henchman, because I guess uh, both Germs and uh, the other guy yeah, those guys were arrested. Went, they went away. Who was the other guy with the headphones? What was his name again? I forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Germs and the other one. Germs and the other guy. Um, his name, uh, he has a new henchman named Crocker, who is uh, voiced by Jeffrey Tambor. So that's Yes, nice. welcome Jeffrey Tambor to wow, the show. Wow, look at, look at that. Um, and uh, we, Nitro explains to the guys that there's an old gas line running down Crime Alley and that uh, Nitro can make it look like the old gas line was ruptured and exploded. Uh, so, you know, uh, this explosion can happen. Uh, Roland Daggett can clear out some space that he wants to develop on and uh, no one will ever suspect him. It's such an evil plot that absolutely has happened in real life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is kind of real. Yeah. This yeah. is not like, oh, the Jerry Conway had to come up with some crazy comic book plot. This is like, no, people do this. Definitely based on real world crimes. Yeah, definitely something like you this. Know, you this know. is something people do. Buildings yeah. mysteriously burn down. Yep. Development happens. Yep. That kind of thing happens. And Nitro assures Daggett that once that clock hits 9 p.m., and boom, it'll be right in the middle of one of Daggett's speeches. Apparently, he's getting some sort of award from the Gotham Business Committee. Of or, course or, he yeah. is. It's like humanitarian of the industrials or whatever, whatever, whatever boy got. Of course he is. Um, we then cut to Bruce Wayne, who's, uh, as I say, getting his swole on, doing some dips. He's doing uh, some real working out. Yeah, man. He's, he's, he's definitely... He's looking good. Dude, he's like seriously jacked. Um, this is the first time I think we've seen Batman... Well, no, we've seen him with no shirt in the shower. But this is the first time we've seen Batman like working out with no shirt on, and he they 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 pulled no punches. They're like, listen, because like even in like the forties and fifties in movies, like guys wouldn't be like super muscular. They would just they would just like stick their chests out to like make themselves look big. Um, but yeah. Batman is like, no, Batman's just straight like, up super jacked, shaped like a triangle. Yeah, he's like that dude <laughs> looks like he can pick up a house. Correct. Um, he's watching a report from Summer Gleason, uh, who states that Roland Daggett was shot down when he tried to have a series of old brownstones on Park Row raised. And then we're like, Park Row, what's that? Um, Park Row used to be, you know, it used to be one of Gotham's ritziest areas, but over the past 30 years has pretty much succumbed to like terrible amounts of crime. And the folks that live in Crime Alley, uh, which is now what Park Row is called, they're trying to get the city to stop Daggett from kind of like using it, like I, I said, like an eminent domain, right? He's almost using like an <laughs> right. eminent domain type thing. I know it's not the government, but no, no, whatever. no, I, I got it's, it. It's a yeah. similar thing where he's trying to essentially. Um, destroy their homes so that he can develop on it. This um, is the same story in so many different comics, properties, etc. Yep. Of just like yep. developers come in, they want to develop an old area. There's always a couple of holdouts. So uh, the news is interviewing uh, Roland Daggett as Batman is now Batman, as Bruce Wayne is now working the heavy bag. He's uh, he's doing his punches and all that stuff. Um, Daggett says the Park Row may have been a landmark. But now it's a breeding ground for crime, uh, which is, you know, definitely one of like any urban developer. Like, I think we've all heard this in 
in our lives before. Well, it's a crime and I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to straighten this place up, you know, yeah. as that type of thing. And the only way to do that is to bring in, I guess, a mini mall. Right. Because, you know, nobody's ever robbed a mini mall before. No, of course not. Um, no crime occurs in mini malls. I noticed this. I noticed this as Dackett was talking about crime alley and park row that I'm not sure if this was intended, but it seemed like Bruce Wayne was, was like getting more aggressive with his training. Oh, big time. Almost like he was getting angrier and angrier as he kept hearing more and more about Daggett looking to essentially totally get rid of Park Row Crime Alley, um, which obviously sure. has significance to him. It does. Uh, you're you're not imagining that that's absolutely happening. His workout's becoming more intense, angrier yeah. as yeah. he's uh, thinking of Daggett, who's a guy he clearly hates. Nope. Um, and has a history with. Yep. And then also that this place that used to be beautiful is going to be dis- demolished. And it's also, in some ways, it's like his parents' grave. Yeah. In, yeah. in some ways. It, it absolutely is. You know, there's that. There's also this... Um, this is an episode that has some greater symbolism. Yeah. That does invite some exploration. You know, if the timeline is the way I think it is, Park Row kind of represents the city at its height. Yeah. In its golden age. Yeah. And when you read the comics, even when you watch this series, it feels like the best of the times is past. Yeah. Right? And Batman exists in a rougher present. Yeah. Right? But the golden age of the city was when Thomas and Martha Wayne were alive. Those folks were basically running the city. Park Row was there and not Crime Alley. And since they died, it was almost like they literally represented the health and welfare of the city. And when they died, that uh, span between their death and when Batman actually shows up is the literal dark ages yeah, yeah, yeah. of Gotham. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe in Batman's mind, he's hoping to bring Park Row back to life. Maybe he hopes he can uh, kind of grow it back the way it was. And putting a mini mall there is the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah it's yeah. it's getting rid of all that history and all that struggle. And all those people. And all those people. Who who will who would have nowhere to go. Right. Bruce is interrupted by Alfred, who warns him that he has an eight o'clock appointment. Um, but <laughs> right. Bruce says, Have I ever been late? And Alfred says, Never, after all these years. Um, Batman is late this year, by the way. Um, we then yeah, see he, the, is. he is late. We then see the Batmobile take off. It's a really cool kind of uh, sequence here. Um, it's racing towards Crime Alley. He's got 20 minutes to get there. Um, we see great shots of the Batmobile racing through Gotham. Uh, it passes by the the Gotham Hotel, and then we transition to see the sign outside the Gotham Hotel that says Gotham Better Business Council Annual Dinner. Rolling Daggett gets out of his car and he checks his watch. Obviously, 9 p.m. is a very very important time in this episode. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the Batmobile does make its way to Crime Alley. And as Batman's driving around Crime Alley, a little girl runs out in front of him, but Batman does his best to, you know, hit the brakes and swerve away. Uh, As Batman gets out of the car, the little girl runs up to him and says, someone save my mommy. Those men are in our apartment, Mm -hmm, which is, which I like that this little girl is not afraid of Batman. So maybe Batman has been a positive presence in Crime Alley. Maybe she knows that Batman is someone who they can go to for support. Yes. I mean, look, we've seen so many characters on this show react to Batman with fear. This little girl sees the Batmobile and is like, I'm going to run right in front of it. It kind of reminded me of in The Batman. Yeah. Right? Where um, Riddler kills, like the first scene in the movie, he kills uh, what um, the mayor? He kills uh, some politician, right? Uh, yes, he killed. I think so, yeah. yeah, I figure which politician is. He, it's not Hill, is it? That's not in that, right? No, I don't think so. Okay, so Riddler, I don't remember. Riddler kills that guy, and, and the cops are doing their investigation. And um, Batman shows up, 
and he's walking around with the cops and the cops are like, yo, you let the freak in here? Like this guy dresses as a bat. But then there's a, there's a point, there's a, a minute where the kid looks at Batman and the kid doesn't look afraid of Batman and Batman and the kid have like a moment. And I think that kids, when they see Batman a lot of the time in the show, in the movies and stuff like that, they're never really afraid of him because I think they're looking at him and they're like, oh, he's an, he's like a big toy. And I yes. think there's like a, oh, well, there's like a youthfulness to it where like like a little kid who believes in Santa Claus, right? I think that's it. Where it's like they believe that Batman's a good guy because yeah. well, it's like the Santa Claus thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, of course, Batman's going to save my mom because he's Batman. Right. That's what he does. Well, I think bat the idea of Batman is way less complicated to a child. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Right? They're like, oh, he's wearing a cape. He's, he's wearing superhero. a mask. He's a superhero. Yeah. He's going to help. He's going to help. Whereas to adults, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Why are you dressed like that? Yeah, exactly. You know, there's just more to it. Um, the little girl points the apartment at, to her apartment to Batman, and um, someone in that apartment is about to have lifelong hospital bills. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. So, as I mentioned earlier, this is one of three seemingly incidental crimes that are happening in this episode at the same time. Now, keep in mind, the big crime is that Daggett's trying to blow up Crime Alley. Yes. Okay. But then there's these little offshoot crimes. This is the only one I like. Well, this See, one this actually one makes good. This one makes sense. This one makes sense. It's good. It serves the plot. Yeah. This is how Batman is going to catch on to the idea yeah. that, okay, this is what Daggett is doing. Yeah. So this one is good. We'll talk about the rifleman and the trolley next, but this one works. So these guys are roughing up this woman's apartment because they want her to get out because they're going to blow up the whole block. Right. This so, is like, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is like the whole plot to batteries not included. Exactly. <laughs> Except yes. not the alien robot people. <laughs> exactly. Um, so they're trying to kick what's funny is they're doing something terrible because they're destroying the building but they're like also there's a weird there's a there's a the morality is ambiguous here because like these guys I mean, could just be like yeah we could let this woman get blown up but they're also like you have to leave yeah it's weird well, it's kind of like they have to get her out yeah exactly but they can't be nice about yeah they it. can't be nice about it because who's going to leave their home willingly right, right? of course still bad uh, so uh, we then cut to uh, an apartment interior. Goons are roughing up the place, throwing chairs, they're breaking stuff, and the goons tell the lady that she and her kid need to clear out. Uh, we then see the mother hiding behind a couch, and they threaten her and try to harm her, but a batarang crashes through the window, takes out the light, and then we get Batman diving in, and he makes real light work of these guys. Um, he just beats them senseless, you know, and they try to fight him, and he's just, he's Batman. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, is, what are they going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do with Batman? <laughs> I just saw that guy do like 100 dips and his like shoulders were bigger than like my right. legs. He didn't get to finish his workout. These yeah. guys are the rest. I know, that's that's it. He's like, all right, I'll take him out on them later. Uh, the little girl runs in. She thanks Batman. And uh, Batman asks the mom, he's like, what do you mean they wanted you cleared out? Apparently these men have been uh, here for a few days and they've been telling people that they need to leave. Uh, they're from some corporation, uh, Daggett. Batman... Narrows his eyes right. in that his, very his suspicions are correct. Knowingly Batman way. Yep, Daggett is using intimidation tactics and violence. Yes, of course. To get people out of their homes. I mean, we've seen what Daggett's done before. We uh, have, though. Actually, that's even a little ambiguous. Yeah. It's just like, did the Clayface episode already happen or not? It seems like Daggett's shitty enough that he could have done lots of stuff already. Of course, of course. And Batman clearly doesn't like this guy. Right. Uh, we then cut to a clock. We see that it's a little after 8 p.m., and then we cut to uh, an HQ of some kind of protest. We see an older woman. He's never been late before, she says. It's after 8 p.m. This has something to do with Bruce, obviously. He had an 8 p.m. appointment. The older woman uh, says that she better go look for him, and she leaves the Park Row Community Center. She's stopped by another woman uh, who asks where Miss Tompkins is off to. Her name is Maggie, 
and warns Leslie Tompkins um, about being out that's not safe. And then Leslie says, I've lived here for 30 years and I am not afraid. Yeah, which I like because that's like, we all know, like yep. even in our families, like yep. the tough old broad is like, listen, I've lived in Brooklyn my entire life. Nobody's kicking me out of my house. Exactly. Nobody's moving me off my streets. Exactly. Like we know these women. Yeah, they exist. They are very, very real. Miss um, Tompkins is then, you know, kind of just walking around investigating to see where Bruce is or Batman, I guess. And she passes an open door and sees flashlights. We also see a box of blasting caps, um, which she picks up one of them that rolls out. We see Crocker and Nitro inside, and she questions them, and she sees that the two men, they work for Daggett. She saw them on the TV. Um, and that when she looks into the building, she sees that Nitro and Crocker have a fair amount of explosives with them. So it's yeah. just a whole bunch of bombs. Um, yeah, so she, she gets the idea pretty much right away. Exactly. Yeah. She's, she's a doctor. She's pretty bright. Um, uh, one of these caps rolls out of the boxes. We see that it's 8.15 p.m. Yeah, so much like uh, so the last episode we covered was the Clock, clock King, King, which is funny because that episode was on a clock. So is this one. And so is this one. This one's actually on a more intense clock. Oh, yeah. The clock they're going to blow up you know, part of the city. Right. So this yeah. is, it's just amusing to see that that device is being used twice. Exactly. Um, uh, back to back, at least. Now we see Maggie. We cut to Maggie. She's closing up shop as Batman rolls up uh, to the community center. He asks about Dr. Tompkins, uh, to which Maggie is surprised that Batman is the person she was looking to meet. Right. So this means... Yes. Uh, do we? I guess we know yes. this at this point of the episode now. Dr. Leslie Ann Tompkins is one of the few people who know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yes. So she understands this is the same person. It's like her, Alfred. It's basically her and Alfred. Eventually it'll be Catwoman. Right. And then Superman. Right. Because Superman and, has X-ray vision. And of course, Robin. Robin, and, yes. And Batgirl, and that's it, I guess? Yeah, maybe. Seems about right. I don't know anyone else who gets to know the identity in no, the main series. very, very few people. Yeah, there but might be maybe one more. I say Superman, but Superman's not in this series. Right. But Superman has X-ray vision. <laughs> right. And you can see through the mask. Unless Correct. Batman made a mask out of lead. He did not. No, because okay. that would probably hurt him. That would be bad. Uh, yes, bad, bad, bad lead. Um... So yeah, so Batman's the person she's looking to meet, uh, and then she says Leslie went looking for him, and then she says bad things happen to people in Crime Alley, to which Batman says, I know. Um, yeah, very knowingly, of course, of course. Uh, obviously she doesn't know that his parents were murdered here, but he does. Um, he does. Then we cut to the Batmobile, <laughs> cruising around Crime Alley again, looking for Leslie. Uh, we cut to a tracking shot down a set of stairs into a basement. We see Crocker is telling Leslie that this has something to do with urban development. He asked her to tell him. If he then goes, oh, let me know if the rope's too tight. Like, we've kidnapped you, but we're going to be nice about it. Right. I actually enjoyed this because it is like, it is just this little bit of realism that's just yeah. like, these goons are nice. Yeah. That is why they don't just kill her. Yes, exactly. Also, Though, they're going to they're because going she's going to gonna get blown up. Yeah, but it was like, I was like, okay, this yeah. is fine for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we see Nitro. He's wiring up some bombs to a clock. And Nitro says that, they have to set up the hotel down the street and Crocker confirms that this is an instant slum clearance and next stop mini mall. So they're clearly going to build <laughs> a mini mall, which is kind of gross. Um, I don't know how a mini mall works in a city like Gotham, right? That does not seem like a mini mall, like the middle sure, of New York also, city works. There were no mini malls at this time, but no. again, we're not really sure what time this is. Yeah. Time is once again, very, very loose. Very loose. Um, Leslie says they can't destroy the hotel. There are people living in it. And Crocker says that if they stand in line of development, they get bulldozed. Nothing personal, just business. Yeah, that, <laughs> that sounds realistic. Sounds That's, real realistic. Yeah. This is a very realistic. 
real, very, very realistic motivation for for Roland Dagen. It's here. very grim, and like again, you have to step back from it for just a minute and be like, "Wow, well, this is a kids' cartoon." Yep. You yep. know, and they're they're tackling this whole like uh, urban development yes. uh, thing. Yeah, you know, which yeah. is which is wild. Um, they muffle up Leslie, uh, and then uh, they leave her, leaving her to be blown up with all the dynamite. Um, so I don't understand why they cared about the bindings being tight. But it's whatever, actually, it's a sort of in a way, it's almost worse than if they had just killed her. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. No, we're not going to kill her. Just leave her here until she blows up, and she'll blow up, and she'll yeah. die. Uh, then we cut to a clock, 8.19 p.m. Hey, that's my birthday. Um, <laughs> as the phone is ringing in the Batmobile, because Batman has a phone, Ledley, Leslie has not called Alfred to inform him of anything. Uh, a co- and then Alfred and Batman are having a conversation, and then a cop car races by as Batman cuts his <laughs> call with Alfred short, to which I found hilarious. He's like, something's come up. <laughs> and, Al- and he just hangs up. Uh, if only we had the option to do that with certain people. Yeah, right. Um, I'll try that tomorrow. Yeah, we'll just do that. Something's come up. Um, <laughs> we cut to the cops, uh, and those terrible SWAT guys are back uh, in a standoff with a guy uh, on a billboard. Boy. This one makes no sense. Well, yeah, well, no, this, this one makes less sense than the, the first one. The second least amount yeah, of sense. Yeah, so we're moving in uh, in an a order. less sensical direction. Yes, yes, we're moving less and less sensical. So the first one was a direct result of Daggett's plot to bomb the neighborhood, right? Yes. So those guys trying to yes. you know get that woman out of the apartment, terrorizing the mother and daughter. This this is, one is just a guy lost his job and he's well, angry. Well, about no, it. he he got served an eviction notice. Uh, well, and he by lost Daggett's his job. clerk. And yeah. he lost his job. He lost his job. He was served an eviction notice by Daggett's clerk. And this city's got to pay. Yeah, and this city's got to pay by killing the guy who served him the eviction notice, who's it clearly just some like... is not yeah. really related to the no, main no, plot It at is all. not a great... It's really just a stupid thing. It's like, it's like, it's a very, it's a, yeah, it's a side piece. Maybe they didn't have enough to go on with the episodes so they edit this stuff. But that's how I felt about the trolley. Well, listen, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll fucking we'll, get, we'll to, get the to the trolley. We'll get to the trolley. Um, Batman rolls up on the cops. He asks the cops who the captive is, and they said some clerk working for Dag- Daggett who served an eviction notice. Wrong time, wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. The SWAT guy says in 10 seconds they'll make their move, and then Batman tells him not to do it, that he'll do it instead because... I'm sorry I interrupted. I have to comment that the guy that's being held hostage looks like Jimmy from Over the Garden Wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that's inside the monkey suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay, go on. Yeah, he does. He does. You're right. You're right. I love that. (laughs) Um, So then, like... So Batman goes, no, I'll do it because if the cops run in, someone might get hurt. And then the the cop, like the SWAT guy turns and he's like, who the heck do you think you are? And he realizes Batman's like, oh... (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. Oh, who are you? Oh, it's Batman. Yeah, it's Batman. You can't. You can't really tell Batman what to do. Um, Batman like then t- tells this this guy who got lost his job in his house that you know to put the gun down. The man accuses Batman of working for Daggett because he's trying to get in between what he's trying to do and murder this man on a billboard. <laughs> right. It was a very Bullock moment. Yeah, hey, he's just working for Daggett. Yeah, not not a lot of thought went into this. Batman dodges his shots as the two men fall off the billboard. Batman obviously saves both of them. And then thanks, and the cops thank him for the help. Yeah, um, it's actually a really cool moment because Batman descends in such a way where it's just like, oh shit, did he save them? Yeah. But like, then he opens his cape and they're both like hugging him in the <laughs> cape. Like, oh, okay. That's and then nice. we get a cool little shot as we pan away where we see what looks like a spotlight, but I almost feel like that's a that's a nod to the bat signal. It's a nod to the bat signal, which famously has not appeared yet on yes. the show. Um, it's not the bat signal. I guess this was just supposed to be a spotlight that they were using. Yeah. But it's kind of like, okay, we've gotten part one of the bat signal in Joker's favor. Yeah. Where um, that, our, yeah. our good buddy, the Charlie, Collins. Charlie Collins, has 
created a bat signal, a makeshift what? bat signal. What? Yeah, Charlie Collins' fucking fart music. Yeah. Um, and now you have the spotlight. So yes. it's just like, oh, when does it finally coalesce into the bat signal? They're, pu- they're planting seeds here they're planting for the bat seeds. signal. Yes. Um, now, um, so now Batman, Batman is continuing to search for Leslie. He goes to her apartment. It's 8.30 p.m., so we know we yeah. have 30 minutes. Um, he searches her rather nice apartment for Crime Alley, I will say this. It's like yeah. a first floor, nice apartment in a brownstone. Well, it's rent controlled. Yeah, she's been there for she 30 years. You can't give that up. Exactly, exactly. I wouldn't. No, Are you would? kidding? Imagine yeah. living in a brownstone like that. Who cares it's Crime Alley? It's rent controlled. Yeah, that's right. I don't, I don't pay nothing. Um, he looks to a book marked Memories, and Leslie has a collection of newspaper clippings about her and her younger days, but then we stop and pause uh, about... about on a newspaper clipping about a doctor and wife who were shot while the son was looks on. Yeah. Um, this is obviously Thomas and Martha Wayne. As you said before, it's kind of weird that they just label it as doctor and wife are shot when these yeah, are two we, of them. We kind of just have to give it a pass. We got to give it a pass, you yeah. know, whatever. But um, it's not how it would have been reported. Yeah. Not uh, if they're as prominent as the show leads us to believe. Exactly, exactly. And then uh, we see some more clippings about the murder. And then most interesting, we see a picture and a clipping of Dr. Leslie Tompkins when she's 30 years younger, essentially, uh, comforting a young Bruce Wayne. Which is uh, great. Which is great. Which is great. So this is how they have that connection. Yes. Uh, Batman then walks into Leslie's bedroom and sees the guy with the explosion cap, uh, a guy who picked up an explosion cap in the street, like a bum, uh, looking in. I only say he's a bum because this show... Makes all of their quote unquote bumish characters have the same outfit. They're all wearing a coat with the sleeves like like the, the shoulders. Yeah, not torn. Yeah, like the sleeves are torn off the jacket, but they're still wearing the whole jacket. That's every homeless person. I'm pretty sure that was the Gaff Morgan costume. It was the Gaff Morgan costume. It's it's what Stromwell's jacket yeah. ends up doing. Yeah, yeah. it's like and uh, it's never too late. Remove his sleeves, but put them back on. Yeah, this guy's voice and hair and face also remind me of. I think the elf's name is. Jangle from the year without a Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. If anyone gets that yep. really specific yep. reference, you'll be like, holy fuck, Jordan's right. Yeah, it, it is. is. It is Jangle. It is. Batman goes outside and confronts the man as he's walking past saying, poor Doc Tompkins, she's in trouble. Batman then grills this guy super intensely who kind of gives up a lot of information and drops the uh, explosive cap. Uh, right. Batman picks it up and he asked about the plastic Thought cap. Thought I could sell it for a couple of bucks. Yeah, right. A bomb. Um, <laughs> and he asked where Dr. Comp Tompkins is, and he says two guys grabbed her, and they took her to the corner of Finger and Broom. Um, now, it's 8.40 p.m., 20 minutes to go. Roland Daggett is announced as a speaker at the Gotham Hotel. Really right. quick jump here. Yeah, he's hoping, I think, that this whole thing blows while he's giving the speech. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, point right. for it is it gives blow, him the perfect alibi. Because then he could be like, look at this. Right, right, yes. You know? and you're right, and exactly. It kind of yeah. proves his, the point of his speech. Yeah, it proves the point of his speech, gives him an alibi, all these things. Um, Batman then hops back in the Batmobile. I will say this. This is the best the Batmobile has sounded. Yes. It sounds like a muscle car. Like, right, it really purrs. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you know... the. It, 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 sure, probably it's toxic masculinity, but the guy in me was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah. the same thing. I was also just like, man, fucking sound editing yeah, on this episode's fucking yeah. awesome. It sounds like a car. Yeah. It's like when you hear like a really fast, powerful sports car, like drive oh, yeah, drive yeah. past you, you're kind of like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you love that sound. Yeah. Um, And then we see a runaway trolley car. Well, this is... So this is the worst thing in the episode. Absolutely. So... And it's not tied to anything. It's not like Daggett has been like breaking down the transit system no. in Crime Alley or something like that. It's just that there happens to be this runaway trolley car while Batman's doing this other mystery. I do like Batman's reaction. 
Well, yeah, trolley car, like, oh, um, come on. He's like, oh, perfect. It's a very, um, it's a very Spider-Man moment. Right. Like, you know. This was the only time where I had wished I was like, this is something for Robin to deal yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Have Robin deal with the trolley. Right. Like, or, you know. But he's not in this episode. No, he's not. Thank um, goodness. This is such a fucking waste of time. Yep. So Batman uh, chases the trolley car down. He does do that uh, cool thing where he shoots yeah. the grappling hook around a light pole. It is cool. He, he uses the reverse thrusters yeah, on the Batmobile. The Batmobile's wheels are ruined. Oh, he destroys them. Destroys the wheels. Um, the, to my stop issue the with it, my issue with this too is that like, who knocked out the driver? What's with the thing hanging we off the roof? Uh, the episode is totally unconcerned with that. What I suspect is this, and we could not find this in the trivia. Sometimes there's an episode where they look at it and they say, "Hey, this doesn't have enough action. Yeah. We need something." Yeah. This almost feels like a Bruce Tim or someone bigger coming in and being like, this episode's a little thin yeah. and it doesn't have a major villain. Like, no rogues gallery. It's yeah. just got Roland Daggett. Let's put in a big action piece so that the viewer feels a little satisfied. And they put in this trolley, and probably kids like this sequence, but for us, for the adult viewers, this is totally vapid. Yeah, and Batman does, the Batmobile does some really cool toy stuff. It does do cool stuff, but it's also like, come the fuck on, get back with the plot. You yeah. had me like with the urgency that you put this on a clock and people could blow up and shit, but now we're dealing with the trolley car it, that it, has nothing to do with the plot. I will say this much. It gives us a little bit of insight of just how crazy a night for Batman can be. Especially in Crime Alley. In Crime Alley. Yeah. So um, he's just trying to get to his appointment and everything <laughs> keeps getting in his way. You know what I mean? Right. There is that to it, which I do agree with you that it's totally nonsensical and it makes no sense and it doesn't fit the plot at all. But it also is like, well, that's just how it goes. Crime Alley. Sure. And, but you know what, though? It could have easily also fit the plot. Why I couldn't so. Daggett's guys be like sabotaging the transit system or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't I, get there it. was a way to rope it all together, I think. I think but so. also, you don't need the sequence. Yes, exactly. Um, so then Batman gets out of the car. He does the cool thing where he like turns the car into like armor and then uh, yes, grapple is away. Which we know from the, yeah, the Burton films. Yeah, the yes. Burton films. And then some guy's trying to get his autograph. What I do like about this is when Batman saves a trolley and gets out. No one thanks him, but like everyone's like, oh yeah, Batman. Right. Like no one's like, get away from me. Everyone's like, oh yeah, Batman here. He's awesome. Right. I um, would have liked to thank you. Yeah. So a thank you would have been nice. Um, so now we see the Nitro and Cro uh, Crocker getting into a truck. As Batman finds them and accosts them, he's like jumps off the top of the truck. He's like, "Where are you going?" Um, he knows both of these guys. He knows yes. both of these guys. Yeah, well, he's, he's fought them before. Yeah, we get that before. familiarity from yeah. him. Uh, he grills them both. He knows, um, and then he reveals that the, they reveal, he goes. They pretty much give him some nonsense, like, "Oh, we didn't do nothing." <laughs> Nitro's right. like, "I haven't worked with bombs in years." And yeah, then Batman okay. opens the truck, which is literally filled, filled with, with explosives. Bombs, yes. The back of the truck um, is Quantum of Solace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nitro Nitro is such a shrimp He has no spine He gives up everything right. I work for Daggett I work for Daggett We're gonna blow up the whole block And Batman throws him in the truck With the bombs um, You know Normally I don't approve Of like when Batman Uses lethal methods Cause locking these two In the truck With the bombs And ripping off the handle Will kill them yeah. If the bombs go off yeah. But also I'm like it almost feels like at this part of the episode, maybe Batman thinks they all could die. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? We're all going down together. Yep. I like that mentality. Yeah, I do. I do. I think that that is the uh, that is the chaos the chaos dunk. Yes. Um, so then, um, Batman uh, locks them in the in the truck, and he he moves on to find Leslie. We see Leslie fighting her bindings as we hear a ticking clock. Batman defuses the bomb because he goes to the hotel where she or the room the building where she is. Uh, we see Leslie Cyber relief, and she tells Batman that they're going to blow up the hotel, and he's got to get the people out. 
Yeah. Um, we cut to Daggett's watch. He's got a pocket watch, a brilliant pocket watch, just like Clock King. Right. Again, uh, another similarity yep, from the previous episode. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and he was giving a speech about pretty much about urban development and corporate nonsense and calling for progress through business and all these things. Uh, Batman swings to the hotel and we hear ticking. And then Daggett says, we cannot allow the underclass to hinder us. Yeah, and it seems like the things in his speech are literally counting down to the big yep. moment, right? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Um, as this happens, we hear and see explosions. Daggett exit his, exits his car. So oh, right, really yes. Yeah, so they're kind of interviewing him after yes. his speech, this asking is, him what he thinks about the tragedy. This is after his speech, and then everything, you know, everything blows up. Right, post-explosion. Uh, post-explosion. And he goes, it's a sad fact, but you have to expect violence in crime alley. These mm-hmm. people don't value human like like we do. Oof. These kinds of words should sound very familiar to us, man. They come to us from our politicians. A lot. A lot. Uh, you know, look at the people that say these kinds of things exactly. as an excuse for what? Pretty much everything. You know. Um, Batman walks up with a whole bunch of residents of Crime Alley, and he says, no one values human life like you do, Daggett. And Batman yeah. tells everyone that he good diffused... Good quip. Yeah, really good. Uh, Batman tells everyone that he diffused the bomb in the hotel and that all Daggett was able to destroy were a few condemned buildings. Uh, Batman then presents Nitro and Crocker. Once they confess, you're finished. Which he's threatening Daggett, and Daggett doesn't really care. He does this acting Man, job. And he Teflons this right off. He's, yep, he's Teflon done. So he's just like, oh, this is terrible. Put them away, you know, like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, thank whatever he says. Thank goodness you've caught these dangerous criminals. Yes, exactly. And then his car pulls up, and he just gets Leaves. away with his gets smug little smile on his face. As the cops take away uh, Crocker and uh, Nitro. Yeah, I mean, the truth is the cops probably work for guys like Daggett. To a degree, yeah. I would imagine, for sure. Um, and then Leslie confronts, uh, she comforts Batman and says uh, Daggett won't escape the law forever. Um, but he probably will. He probably will. But then she reminds him that he has a very important appointment. Yes. Um, in the last scene in this episode, um, this this we, we this represents like a very important piece of the Batman iconography. Yeah, it's been in many of the movies. It's been in the cartoons. Um, Batman and Leslie are walking down the street where Bruce's parents were killed. We can make that assumption. Batman drops off the two roses in memory of his parents, and uh, Leslie says, "This used to be a beautiful street. Good people lived here once." And then Batman replies, "With good people still live in Crime Alley." Mm. And then we get a, a parallel uh, with Batman and Leslie to Batman and uh, to Leslie and Bruce, where um, for what she did f- for him as a child, and she confront she com- she comforts Batman after he had put the flowers down. Um, we get this nice touching moment between the two characters, and then we we then see the final episode, the final image in the episode is we see uh, the same picture of Leslie and Bruce from earlier. Um, with her kind of embracing him after his parents were killed, and then we cut to the credits. Right, so the older version and the younger version of the characters are in yes. that same pose kind of, of, the, similar of the woman pose. holding the child. Yeah, mm-hmm. Showing you that these two have had this ongoing, uh, this uh, standing appointment for, I guess, 30 years. Sure, there's also been like this transfer of care in the same way that the young Leslie Thompson cared for the boy. It's kind of like Batman tries to care for the children of the city or for the city itself. There's some good symbolism And for here. her. Yes. And for Leslie. And for Leslie, you're right. Some closing thoughts here. Uh, I think it's a good episode. Mm-hmm. I think there are definitely, like you brought up, uh, like we both brought up, there are some issues uh, with, you know, kind of shoehorning in some things that probably don't even need to be there. Um, I think you're right. I think it was probably a production side of people going, hey, this episode's a little thin. We got to add some stuff. We got to get the kids excited. Yes. Um, because ultimately, this is a children's show. So let the Batman, Batmobile do some, some good stuff and some fun stuff. Um, you know, if I was going to rank it, uh, I would probably rank it. It's definitely far out of the top 25, um, but I would say it's probably in the top half or so. 
I agree. It's a good episode. It about half works for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? The uh, resonance of the sentimental stuff with Leslie Tompkins, that last image, uh, the whole iconography of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Mm -hmm. That's all good stuff. Great stuff. The commentary on urban development and pushing out people who have lived there for a long time and the element of crime there as an excuse. That's all good commentary. It is not really supported. No. By these action sequences in this yeah. episode that feel really disconnected yeah. and kind of cause parts of the episode to really just not work. I agree. It falls apart I a agree. little bit. I agree. Still in the top half of the series. A good episode, not one of my favorites. Yeah. I will say that I appreciate it as yet another good quality episode that does not need a rogues gallery member to function. Yeah, and I like when we get episodes like this. It does It does kind of give us that... Um, I do too. That, that kind of... Uh, that kind of you know, it gives us an alternative yeah. to just the Joker every time. And um, I do like Leslie Tompkins as a character. She's great. I like that we get this kind of history of Bruce Wayne. Uh, we get a little bit of him. So it's all it's all good. But it's just like you said, like there are. I don't think the episode is better than the sum of its parts. I agree. Right. I think the individual the individual aspects of this episode are really good, but when you individual put it all together, pieces work, yeah. actually putting the whole thing together is worse. Yeah, it's worse. Yeah, it's worse. So I agree. Um, so I think that I think that's the problem with this episode. But yeah, top half sounds about right. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's like almost when they wrote this episode, it was actually like a little short. Yeah, I think and they so. were like, "Fuck, put a trolley in." There. I could have seen this episode being probably about maybe if the episode's got to be you know post credits is about a minute, credits is about a little bit over a minute. So you're looking at a 22 minute block of time. You take two minutes off, three minutes off. It's like. 19, 20 minutes, and they probably had like, probably had like a 17 minute episode. Yeah, it almost reminds me of, think back to, I know, I'm sorry to bring this up, but think back to Underdwellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where that episode opens with, I think, kids like jumping on a train or something like that. And you think like, oh, okay. When you see the kid criminals later in the episode, you're like, oh, maybe the train jumpers were part of that gang. No, nope. no, it's just kind of like a random action sequence that got thrown in there to take up a couple minutes, and, and it's like a PSA. That's what the trolley feels like to yep. me, and it's pretty much what the rifleman hostage situation feels like. Yeah, to me as that well. one's also very soft. And the fact that we have two of those sequences in this episode is—I mean, it's bad. It's only a twenty-two minute episode. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, those are those are problematic, but I think ultimately, like the overarching ideas, there are some smaller ideas that are good. I agree. I agree. For uh, sure. Leslie Tompkins probably being the best part of uh, it, and she's a great character. She'll yeah. be better used even later. Yeah, and Batman's relationship to Crime Alley like all these things for sure all these things but um well that's all we got you got anything else you good i I think that's it for me all right well uh next time on the batman tastic cast we will be talking about mad as a hatter so a a great episode jordan is uh you're gonna take us through our first uh our first mad hatter the first mad hatter episode so very very cool yes what a creep i can't wait and he is such a creep And thank you all for joining us. This was the Batman Tasticast for Jordan Hugh. I'm Mike Staub. Thank you, and see you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Batman Tasticast. If you want to support the show, please feel free to find us on social media. You can search us out at Batman Tasticast. Or you can find us here on the podcatcher of your choosing. Give us a like, subscribe, leave a comment, or you can reach out to Jordan and I via social media and uh, send some little bits of information, opinions, whatever you like. We love hearing from you out there. So, all right, everyone, see you next time and enjoy the cartoons.